Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Alex Wolf here and no Gavin today for this recap, but I do have an awesome guest to break down the Knicks' fourth game of Summer League, a 93-87 loss to the Detroit Pistons and Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick. I have Ariel Pacheco with me today. You might know him as at NBA on Twitter. He also writes for the Strickland from time to time and produces some of the most fantastic day after game threads on Knicks games on Twitter. So if you're not following him, definitely check him out there. But if you want some live in-person insight from Ariel right now on this game and what we've seen in Summer League so far, just stick around. We're going to talk about it next. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I am joined by a special guest today. Gavin has the night off, but I have got Ariel Pacheco with me today. At a Pacheco MBA on Twitter, he also writes sometimes for the Strickland. Uh, I am lucky enough to have a, a very talented staff of people to draw from. Ariel, how you doing? It's been a little while since you've been on, and uh, are you excited to talk about some uh, some Game Four Summer League after we just watched the Mets blow a very winnable game <laughs> against the Dodgers? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. Always, always glad to come on and talk about the Knicks. Um, that Mets game was we can we can we can forget about that one, but um, always glad to talk Knicks with you. Yeah, yeah. What better way to forget than to start talking <laughs> about the Knicks? Uh, pretty rough game to start with. I mean, they shot. I forget the numbers, and I honestly did not care enough to look them back up. But they were shooting like I think like twenty six percent for the better part of this game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, it was not pretty. Nobody was making shots. In particular, if you want to look at, I mean, it's hard to call them culprits because, you know, they still did some good things out there. But uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Deuce McBride combined for a robust uh, 6 of 32 from the floor. So not fantastic from those two guys. Probably, you know, they have five, six more shots dropped between the two of them. And the Knicks probably win this game because... Ultimately, uh, wound up only being a final score of 93 to 87 versus the number one overall pick, Kate Cunningham and the Pistons. Uh, but I, I don't know. I was telling you before the show, I, you know, I feel like people have heard a lot of Gavin and my takes on many players so far in this uh, summer league and not too much changed based off this game. Uh, like, I think that Obi Toppin dominated, had 31 points, nine rebounds, 13 to 20 shooting, two of five from three, but he's kind of just been dominating this whole time anyway. 
uh, quickly, I think, had a good game. The shots just weren't falling, you know, like in, in another world where uh, he makes a few more shots. This is like just another feather in his cap throughout this uh, summer league. Deuce yeah. McBride played good defense. I mean, I don't know. Did you have any did, – did, let's put it this way. Did the, the tough games from Quickly and, and Deuce do anything to, like, concern you? Or are you just basically writing that off as, like, yeah, it's just bad games? Yeah, for IQ, nothing. I'm not really concerned. Um, bad shooting night happens. He still saw some positive things. He still got to the rim a couple of times, which is, like, the major thing. I've been, like, watching out for, like, anytime he drives to the rim, I have to, like, tweet it out because I'm just like, okay, that's huge. Um, it's important for him to get, like, two feet in the paint, deep in the paint, because you kind of want his floater not to be um, – my guy Oscar mentioned this on Twitter. Um, you don't want his floater to be his his main kind of shot. You want it to be, like, a compliment, a complimentary, complimentary shot. You want it to be, like – He's gonna set you up with a drive, and then and then he's hitting you with the floater, not not vice versa. Um, I think he took a couple of floaters, you know, like a step or two, like too far out. But like otherwise, it's like nothing to be like overly like concerned about. With Deuce, I'm a some concerns were raised, not, nothing too major, but um, he had, there was a couple of times where like he had like a couple of the Pistons big men switch onto him one on one, and like for whatever reason, he just didn't attack the switch. Um, I'm concerned that like it has some some reluctance because he doesn't really necessarily have that one-on-one game. He likes to pull up for long twos because he can't get all the way to the basket, especially against bigs, which is kind of weird. Um, because he does have that burst of speed. He is strong. I I don't understand exactly why he's kind of reluctant, but I'm not sounding the alarm bells on Deuce. I'm not saying everybody should panic, <laughs> but it's just something that like caught my eye and like I'm going to be watching for in the future. Yeah. I think that once he, once Johnny Bryant gets his hands on deuce, maybe we don't see that as much anymore. Like I do think that I I think it's pretty apparent with quickly, especially that they did a pretty good job of, it seems, I mean, there's no way to know for sure, but it seems that they've really put a bug in his ear about getting to the rim more. uh, And he's taken it to heart because as you said, you know, he did it a number of times in this game and he's done it a lot during summer league. And that kind of seems to be his replacement. Actually, tell me if you think this is right or wrong. I, I think quickly so far, knowing these impending rule changes that are coming in for like the foul baiting type calls has already started trying to replace those sort of moves with just getting to the rim and trying to draw fouls the traditional way. Cause to point. me, it seems like he's trying to get there a lot more now and is doing a lot less of the flailing, trying to get fouls. Yeah, I think in the first game he tried to do one of those flails and it didn't work out for him. <laughs> um, so maybe he is adjusting. I don't know how much of it is, is adjusting or necessarily just him getting to the basket more, but it, that logic makes sense, so I'm not opposed to that thinking. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he's getting to the basket more, and if it's for whatever reason, it, he needs to keep doing it because it's it's a good thing for his development. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I would say, too, with Deuce, I did notice the same thing as far as it was like particularly stark in this game for most of the game that he seemed really content to just pull up from like 18 feet or whatever and pull those long twos, sometimes even slightly longer than that. Like he was only like a step in from the three point line a couple of times and it had me kind of like, yeah. like being like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, just take one step back and just shoot a three, <laughs> yeah. which you know, maybe he's got to work the step back into his repertoire. But I did notice right towards the end of the game, he did have a nice blow by right at the end. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's something that he's he's just kind of going to have to 
work out of himself. You know what I mean? Like just that, that natural instinct to pull up, which seems to be his, his sort of bread and butter and was something that we knew like coming out of college was one of his strengths was pull up shooting. I I wonder if maybe he's just trying a little too hard to lean into that and just needs to kind of recalibrate a little and just say, okay, like I'm fast. You know, uh, there are plenty of guys that are slower than me. Like I can get by people. I should embrace getting to the rim more because he's not, I mean, to my, he's not particularly slight either. You know, he's not, he's not as skinny as like quickly was coming into the league last year. Like I think he should be able to take a hit around the rim without much issue. He's built like a football player, kind of. So there's exactly. kind of no reason he why. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to. He's, he has some good, like, um, like de- deceleration kind of drives where, like, the guy's on him and he'll just, like, kind of decelerate and the guy gets, like, bumped off him and he's strong. So, you know, the guy kind of gives him space and he gets a good look. Those are the kind of drives that, like, I like to see from him. Rokas did, had a couple of those, not tonight, but the game before. Um, but those kind of deceleration drives, those are really good. Um, but for Deuce, I'm not 100% like concerned, like, or, or think it's gonna be a huge deal. But I don't know. It, it's just something that like kind of it stuck out. Like when it happens multiple times in the same game, you, you kind of just start to notice. Like, okay, he's being a little reluctant here. I don't know what the reason is. Maybe it was just a confidence thing because the shot was off, and he just you know didn't want to make another mistake or something like that. But um, definitely something to watch for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, ultimately, too, with with Deuce, what's nice is that even if ultimately that doesn't come around in the long term, you basically just adjust your expectations from, okay, the Knicks just drafted another quickly, you know, who could potentially be like a, uh, you know, a, a really, really solid scoring guard off the bench that also plays, I mean, like lights out freaking defense to just okay, this guy will be a lights-out defender that can hit threes. And that's, you know, that's like the worst-case scenario for him, it seems like, at this point. Which sounds weird to say, considering he shot 0 of 7 from 3 in this game, but I don't think he has too many 0 for nights from 3 in his future because it just seems to me like he has a good release. He has a good resume backing him up from college that says he can shoot the 3. And yeah. so, so I think he's going to be able to do that no matter what. And so if that's... Ultimately, what he turns into, that's fine for where his draft slot was. But we're talking about stuff that ultimately could be like stuff that takes him to the next level and makes him, you know, the Knicks like second straight biggest steal of the draft kind of guy. Um, yeah. Unless Jericho Sims is that guy. Of course. But <laughs> I guess we'll see. With, with Deuce, like you mentioned, uh, it doesn't if he's not able to create one on one or whatever, it's not the end of the world because what that does, is it doesn't cap his floor, it caps his ceiling. So maybe he won't like you mentioned, he won't be that like, oh, wow, we have another creator off the bench. A 3 and D guy at, what was he, pick 34, 36? I, I get confused with him and uh, Rokas, but getting that kind of value at that pick is still in- incredible. So you take that every time. All right, we're going to take our first break, but just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Sweat Block. I am a sweaty person. I'm a very sweaty person. It gets, I won't even say borderline, it gets embarrassing at times for me, especially this time of year especially during this heat wave right now, I go outside and I start sweating and it's not just like on my forehead or my armpits or whatever. I mean, I just sweat all over the place. I, if I'm out and it's, and it's hot out and humid, like it has been lately, I'm sweating right through my shirt. If I'm out with friends, I mean, I was out like last week meeting some friends in the city. We sat outside at a restaurant and there was the sun beating down on us. 
And I was just, I looked like I had jumped in a swimming pool by the end. And it's embarrassing. This is where sweat block comes in. Let me stop talking about me sweating. Sweat block lets you wear what you want to wear and can be your little secret to confidence. It certainly has been for me. I don't have to pick out only dark colored clothes anymore. I can wear like a gray t-shirt out and not worry about sweating through it. And it's a great feeling. Sweatblock is doctor created and doctor recommended. It works for up to seven days per use and it's covered by the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It was featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters, which can you imagine that the heat that they deal with? And it has been the best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews and is manufactured in the good old USA. So if you want to be like me and ditch your sweat problem, which I've been so thankful to do since Sweatblock has come into my life, get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. And today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. You guys know, you've heard my spiel. It's impossible for these local chain auto parts stores to stock all the parts you need. Plus, the guys behind the counter, they're not concerned with getting you what you need. They're more concerned with padding their pockets, making sure that they sell you the most expensive parts so they get the best commission, and not giving you any discounts when they will give a mechanic a discount if they walk into the store. You don't have to worry about any of that with rockauto.com. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or, God forbid, a car dealership where they, they truly rake you over the coals with prices. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, whether you're an at-home mechanic or a professional, and it's a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you know they're going to look out for you, make sure that you get the parts you need, and get it as quickly as you need it for the lowest price possible. I've ordered from there before for something even as small as a gas cap, they're going to be every single company out there by uh, sometimes almost 50%. It's it's a little bit insane how low the prices are at rockauto.com compared to other sites. So if you want to see what's available for your car or truck, head to rockauto.com now and check it out. See if you could find a part that you need, maybe something that you've been thinking about working on on your car for a while, but just haven't gotten to. And if you decide to pick something up right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now I'll get right back into it with Ariel. To move to another guy, though, I mean, speaking of speaking of guys that uh, were picked later on, I, I do want to get to Rokas in a minute because I thought that he had a really great game, too. But the guy that really stood out to me in this game was Grimes because Grimes finally, I mean, he didn't have... I keep saying I think that he's got like a 25-point summer league game just kind of waiting uh, to happen at some point or another, but it that hasn't happened yet. And I'm now I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know if 100% if he's going to score like 25 points or not in summer league. But he had easily his best game so far. Uh, 15 points, 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3. Finally see him like in the, the 50% category there, which is great to see. Uh, and also over 50% overall from the floor. Also had seven rebounds, three assists, two blocks, which you maybe weren't expecting out of him. Uh, but I thought that he played great defense, which he's been doing pretty much the whole time. But particularly his play to me stood out in those final few minutes. The Knicks were down by as much as like, I think, 21 in this game. 
And they stage this crazy comeback towards the end of the game, get as close as three points before ultimately losing by six. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, he was a big part of that defense. There was one one situation where I forget who was getting the ball on the side. It might have been Killian. Uh, whoever it is, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but someone got the ball as the Pistons were trying to, you know, push the ball up the floor and just get it over the timeline and run the clock out. And the Knicks, without fouling, managed to trap that person. And Grimes was a huge part of that. He made a quick adjustment from about midcourt and, like, scrambled over. And you see so many guys in that situation just lose themselves sort of, you know, like he, they'll, they'll start crashing towards the person, but then all the person with the ball has to do is just stand there and the person just runs into them. And then it's a foul because you can't stop your momentum when you're covering that much ground so quickly. But he, he did perfectly like pulled his arms back, kind of like kept his body in the way there without reaching his arms out to foul or doing anything that be, that could be constituted as a foul and managed to stop himself up quick enough to force the turnover because then the the person with the ball said, Oh crap, I'm doubled on the sideline, tried to throw it. And then it turned into a, a uh, turnover. So his defense was great. His offense was really good, um, which we'll get to in a minute. Cause I, I saw some stuff there, but what did you see from his defense in this game? And then I, I would just say overall too, cause I think that's been so far in the summer league, even with his offensive game kind of, you know, coming in fits and spurts the the defense i think has been a really great constant with him and he looks like a great team defender i completely agree with you um deuce kind of stole the show uh, on the defensive side of the ball um all the attention kind of went to him and deservedly so you know he's awesome on that end but um grimes is grimes is up there too um i kind of mentioned this it's kind of cool how stark they're they are defensively like the difference um even though they're both kind of equally good or whatever uh deuce is probably better but Deuce is more like aggressive and like in your face and like oh I'm gonna take the ball from you and Grimes is more like I'm gonna hold my, I'm gonna hold my spot you can't get pa- you can't get past me I'm gonna get a contest he's more like sound and then um, Deuce is more like aggressive but equally they both have been awesome uh, defensively uh, Grimes was really good today against Cade as well a couple of the one one on one matchups uh, he stuck with him step for step which is very encouraging um, sticking with the number one overall pick. Um, one thing I did notice about him, I noticed it watching some of his college tape, but it's like kind of uh, carried over into summer league. He's a pretty good defender in transition as well, which is like a good skill to have as a guard. You're usually the first guy back. Um, the best guy I can think of right now off the top of my head is like Danny Green defensively. I'm not saying he's on that level in transition, but that kind of skill is like very useful, even though you don't see too many guards, you know, people kind of give up those layups um, for free in transition. So it's nice to see him kind of compete um, there, but Overall, I think you really have to be encouraged by him on that end. Um, even on offense, I'm not discouraged. There's nothing there that I'm like, oh, this is kind of concerning. It's just him missing shots. And his jumper is so, like, aesthetically pleasing to look at that, like, you don't even mind when he misses <laughs> necessarily. But um, just a great game, like you said, his best game for sure. Um, and I did agree with you kind of, too. I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see him drop a 25-point game at, at some point. Um, he did show some like real good scoring chops in college, even though we haven't really seen it yet. But it could come. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, honestly, I I thought we were done talking about him, but you mentioned transition defense, and that reminded me that Deuce McBride. <laughs> I know I was oh. just trying to give I was trying to give Grimes his his due, you know, with defense. But McBride had the most beautiful defensive transition possession in this game, which was there was like I think it was like a three on two. Coming back, whatever the case, he 
had to make up a little bit of grounds against the ball handler. He did so. And then manages to like keep him on his hip all the way up till right before the circle. Uh, you know, the semi the um what you call it, like the charge semicircle. Yeah, whatever, whatever restricted area. Yeah. I don't know why that was escaping me. Anyway, he uh he then manages to get in front of the guy with the ball, plant his feet, and draw a charge. It was fantastic. Like uh, picture perfect transition defense. I don't know if I've seen anybody pull one of those off. And I think it was uh, Jeremy Cohen mentioned on Twitter that the Knicks were really bad statistically at drawing charges last year. And it seems dead like they've, yeah, dead last. There you go. And they've gotten some guys that can draw charges now. It was like a fantastic drawn charge. Uh, and, you know, you'll get some of that out of some of the other guys that they signed in free agency as well, from what I understand. Kemba, that's one thing that he's, he's nasty at is getting yeah. in there and getting a, a charge in the lane and, you know, taking the weight of someone twice his size to, uh, you know, stop a play in the paint. So I'm excited to see those happen this year. All right, we're going to take our second break. And today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, and, you guessed it, NFL action coming up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, like my Mets, who have, well, they lost the game tonight, but they were doing pretty good before that. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. Again, that's betonline.ag promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. But to move to to move to Grimes' offense, because I do want to keep on Grimes, because this I, I really think this was his game. Even though, you know, as I said, Obi scored 31 points, but like that's kind of commonplace now. Not to mention he played 37 minutes. Not to say 31 points in 37 minutes is unimpressive, but like he played damn near the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gonna get a shot up. He's gonna score. Yeah, exactly. Like he's the focal point of the offense right now. So like, it's great that he's scoring efficiently, but like, it's almost become boring now. It's like, all right, it's Obi, not it's a like when, anymore. Exactly. It's like when Randall gets like twenty five, fifteen, and eight or whatever, and we're just like, yeah, whatever. Like it's just another Randall night. Um, but Grimes, I thought, you know, in addition to just the three pointer falling, which was great to see. You know, he was. That's been the biggest thing I think in the the first few games is just that. Well, actually, I mean, I think it was like game one. The, he shot a pretty good. I think it was like three of eight, which is perfectly acceptable from three. Uh, the one game he shot like two of eight, two of eight or two of ten or something like that. It was that one was not too pretty. But um, in this game, in addition to just the three falling, I, you know, and you alluded to this that he had some pretty good tape in college. Which I, I honestly, <laughs> I said this before draft night. We did homework, especially on this podcast, for so many different guys that were in the Knicks range. And we we even had like a last minute emergency podcast. We're like, okay, I don't think we've talked enough about like Kai Jones. We haven't talked enough about Butler. Uh, we haven't talked enough about this guy, that guy, and like covered all these final bases. Not once did we ever bring up Grimes in the whole time <laughs> that we were prepping for the draft. So I felt like, and Deuce, I did do some some you know prep on because his name started coming up in relation to the Knicks. So I felt a little more familiar with him, but. 
Uh, Grimes, I had no freaking clue when they drafted him, to be completely honest. But he showed some, I mean, I, I think certainly more advanced ball handling and scoring than I was expecting in this game. Like he had uh, a pretty nice transition bucket. If I remember correctly, it was, it was one where he got all the way to the hoop and, and scored that way. Uh, he was kind of like running some pick and rolls a little bit. And he's done that a couple times throughout this. And whether he actually gets to the basket or not is another story, but he's doing it, which is good to see. I mean, I just think that there's been, there was more to his game in this one than, than I was expecting. So uh, was this, like the way that he scored in this game, did it surprise you or were you just kind of like, Oh, it was only a matter of time before this stuff started coming out of his game. Um, I watched, I watched a lot of his games um, more than I probably want to admit. Um, after he got drafted, I wasn't, I didn't uh, study up too much on the draft beforehand, but after they made their selections, I, I really looked into the film. I did like 25 tweet threads on them. And uh, the one thing I, I noticed about Grimes is the reputation that he had before I even like knew anything about him was, Oh, three and D guy, you know. So uh, you don't assume a guy like that to have too much like off the bounce game or or you know being able to create at all. Um, but I watched his game tape and I was intrigued because he showed these like flashes of like one on one uh scoring ability, not necessarily getting to the basket, but kind of more McBrideish in terms of pull up shooting. Um, but it looked really smooth because the the, the dribble like combinations he would have, um, leading up to his shots were were pretty uh, not impressive, but you know they, they were something that he could build off of. Um, so him showing it in summer league, I'm not necessarily completely surprised. I was a little bit surprised because he didn't really look like he was comfortable doing that yet in the first uh, few games uh, of summer league. So for him to show it kind of, I guess he's getting more acclaimed, you know, to playing and uh, against this kind of uh, talent and in the setting. Um, I was more surprised by like even the pass he made to Wayne Selden that led to the foul that, um, he almost finished. Um, I don't know if you remember that one, but, um, it had some like it had some zip on it. It had some, you know, like I don't know. It was impressive. Um, yeah, he didn't show I do too remember much that one for what it's worth. You just reminded yeah. me of it, but I do remember that one. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think he like crossed the guy, not not, not crossed him over, but you know, he, he made a dribble move into the into the lane and then uh, found Selden. Um, Little wrap round pass. It was really really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, very nice. I wish Selden would have finished it, <laughs> but um, it, it, he's he's got some a little bit of juice, and I think it's something that. You, I'm very intrigued to see that if it develops, but it's there's something there, and I'm not saying he's gonna be like this incredible like one-on-one creator guy, but I, I think that there there is something that you can build off, and it, maybe it raises the ceiling a little bit. And instead of just a three and D guy, he's a three and D guy who can create a little bit off the bounce, and you know that that, that raises him him up a level. So oh uh, for sure I, yeah I'm I mean I, more. I mean think about it this way right like who basically who he's replacing via drafting is Reggie Bullock, right? Like I think that yeah. in theory, he would be able to fill that same role in time as he gets comfortable in the NBA, finds his percentages, you know, like it just learns the game. It, Prez had noted this and, you know, Gavin and I were talking about this on our last podcast um, with Jack that like, you know, he, he has this like sort of high release, which Prez was noting on Twitter, like can uh, sometimes, take guys longer to sort of adjust their strength uh, ability from the college ranks to the NBA, just to accommodate those That's couple extra feet, um, which makes sense. You know, like guys yeah. that shoot more straightforward, you would think, yeah, it's kind of more line drive. He shoots like a high arcing shot. As you already mentioned earlier in the show, it's beautiful to look at. So, you know, it might take him a little longer to find those percentages, but in theory, he, 
he could become just like a new Reggie Bullock type where he's a, a really good defender and can hit the three. But as we saw in the playoffs, I mean, like you just said, being able to just take a couple dribbles and create just a little something is worth so much, you know, like if he could become, I actually, you know, I was just searching my brain for like a good comparison. And maybe this is, this is probably shooting a little too high, but like a, a light version of like Bogdanovich on the Hawks where Bogdanovich mostly just shoots, you know, like that's his role. He's going to, he's going to catch and shoot like, a lot of possessions, particularly playing with Trey young, who's going to be kicking it to him all the time. But if need be, he does have the ability to put it on the floor and then hit you for like a pull-up or, you know, run like the quickest of pick and rolls and, and just like generate something and not get like stripped and look like he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, and that's really valuable. And that's like the skill set that the NBA is like begging for across the board right now. So to your point, like, I think if he can add that, that's that's going to be a game changer for him and could potentially make him. I mean, if he uh, even assuming that he has the normal kind of rookie year that you would expect for like a 25th pick, you know, like uh, uh, most guys that are drafted in that range are not instant contributors, you know, yeah. quickly, notwithstanding, um, you know, they're usually guys that are slow burn, you know, like if they're going to work out, it's going to take a couple years. That's why they fell the 25th in the draft, you know. Um, uh, but if he can put that together by like year three, he might have one of the most valuable contracts like in the league at that point, if he can become like a anywhere close to like 40% three point shooter, play the defense that we've seen that he can play and put it on the deck a little bit. That's like, that's at least a $10 million player in today's NBA. I think for sure, for sure. Reggie just got 10 million. He can't create at all. Um, for, In terms of, a guy like Grimes, and we're talking about like his ceiling, being able to to dribble a little bit and create just you know just a smidge. Um, you, you want a guy. We saw it in the playoffs. You want a guy that, for example, we can use Julius. You want a guy that Julius creates an advantage against the defense, and he has them rotating. You want him to be able to hit Grimes and him for be able to make the next play, which isn't necessary, which is necessarily not necessarily the hardest play to make, but it's just attacking a closeout or making the next read. And if he's able to just do that, that's insanely valuable because he can he can make defenses pay. And kind of the issue with Reggie's limitations in the playoffs last year was even even when uh even if Rose or Randall did create advantages, not saying it was all on Reggie, but Reggie wasn't a guy who was going to be able to capitalize it, capitalize off of it unless the advantage was already completely created and he was wide open. He's not a guy who, who was ever going to put the ball in the deck and, and make something happen. If Grimes is able to do just that, that that's something that, you know, like you said, it, it becomes one of the most valuable contracts in the NBA if he's still on his rookie scale deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've I think we've done enough on Grimes. I want to get so I've got I, I don't have to tell you who the the, the guys are that I want to touch on at the very end. But there are two players that I want to touch on for all the worst reasons at the end. Uh, <laughs> but but I want to give. I want to give the the floor to uh, Rokas Jokobitis real quick because I thought this was definitely his best game. And I'm already kind of eating my words a little bit. So after his first game, the, the game against the Pacers on Monday, I was like, man, his comments that he made about the game being too fast for him in the U.S. definitely made sense. Like I thought that he just looked – everything that he was trying to process on Monday – seemed like it was a half second too slow. Like, and he just, he couldn't dribble anywhere. He couldn't like pass anywhere. He couldn't do anything. And then I think that all 
sort of has gotten fixed a little bit in these last two games. Now, granted, I think the Knicks have done a good job of putting him in situations where he's not like the decision maker, or at least not like the primary decision maker right now. Like he's out there with a quickly or with a deuce or whatever, or sometimes both of them. I think they ran out of lineup with all three of them at one point today, which is kind of cool. Cause like Rokas seems big enough to semi hold his own in like a three guard lineup. If, if you play them like that, probably wouldn't work outside of summer league, but it was still kind of neat to see. Um, but at any rate, like those three guys were out there and, you know, so or no matter what, he was with one of those two. And and so that kind of took the burden off of him as far as having to be like the guy to initiate the offense and stuff. And instead, he was, you know, finding some catch and shoot looks and um, easy ways to get to the hoop and that sort of thing. And it worked out pretty good for him. Like he had uh, a, a number of good takes. He made a three again in this game. And I just thought that he put together a really nice all around game. He all in all eight points. Uh, in 12 minutes, three of five shooting, one of two from three, had uh, also two rebounds, one assist, two steals, and a block in, again, just 12 minutes and a team high plus 13. Uh, I think the plus 13 maybe has to do more with who wasn't on the floor when he happened to be in the game, but which we'll get to in a sec because there's, there's a direct correlation. Like, there's like, he has like a, uh, a mirror opposite <laughs> as far as impact on this game that started the game. But I mean, I thought that he put together a nice game. I don't know. What were your thoughts on Rokas and in what maybe was his last game at this summer league? Because if, if his comments are true that he said at the beginning, uh, he only had permission to be here for three games. So if this is it, then, you know, we might not see him tomorrow. We might not see him Monday or Tuesday. And then in the summer league playoffs next week. Yeah. Might not see him until next year, but um, with Rokas, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> easily his best game as well. Um, Looked more comfortable. Um, that first game, he was—you could tell—he was kind of nervous in his own head. Kind of, you know, wasn't just wasn't ready. Um, but what I saw, what I like, what I like about Rokas after watching—I watched a bunch of his Euroleague games. He's very—he's a pick and roll point guard. Um, we haven't seen him run too much pick and roll, but when he has, he's shown that he can kind of like throw lob passes pretty well. Which, when you're playing with Mitchell Robinson and Obi Toppin, you know, that's obviously a good thing to have in your point guard. Um, He's he's had a couple he had a couple nice finishes today. Um, one in transition where he used the rim as like um, to protect himself from getting blocked by one of the guards, which was nice. Um, a reverse layup, um, and then he had this kind of like little like floater slash runner in the lane that was nice. And um, he had a spot up three. He shot thirty eight percent, I believe. Um, and Zalgiris, I don't know how to say their his team name um, overseas, but um, there's a lot to like about him. He's he's definitely like raw. But you can see the flashes. You can see the signs. You can tell he knows how to play the game. Um, I think a year overseas is going to help him a lot. But as far as just today um, goes, I think the one thing I noticed immediately watching him overseas before he ever touched uh, Summer League was he has this really nice hesitation move. And it's actually transferred over to Summer League. And a lot of times he's, he's creating these like advantages against defenders using that hezzy. So it's nice to see that um, that move of his that he's clearly comfortable doing is has transferred over um, against summer league competition. Um, but it's easy to see kind of why the Knicks liked him enough to draft him. Um, he has some skill and he has, he has some Dragic-esque finishes, not comparing it to Dragic, but like watching his uh, tape overall, he, he has some Dragic in him. Um, but yeah, I, I like Rokas. Um, I think he showed out today. 
if it's his last game for the next year, um, I think he he's going to leave on a positive note. Yeah, for sure. And and I really look forward. I mean, it'll be kind of fun actually having like a second team to root for this year because we know for it's been so long since the Knicks have had like a draft and stash guy. Like I feel like yeah. I, I guess the last one was uh 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 oh man Papa Nicolau. I forget his his uh, first Co- name. Costas Costas Costas, Costas yeah. Papa Nicolau. Yeah, that's right. I think that was their last one, and I, I forget what league he played in, but it was not one nearly as visible as uh, the ACB. I don't think so. It'll be pretty cool to be able to kind of uh, uh, watch Rokas from afar and and sort of see him playing in almost like a minor league, but not really because it's it's probably the second most competitive league in the world yeah. uh, next to the NBA. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he grows there. It's kind of cool that the Knicks actually have this situation that they're in where they can have a full roster of good NBA players this year and have this kid who clearly has some skills developing overseas and potentially being there, you know, next year, year after, uh, whenever they decide to call him over and he might come back a more complete player than what we've seen right now by a good margin playing for like one of the best teams over in Europe. So it'll be cool to see where things go with that. Uh, But at any rate, I, I've been waiting for this. I kind of want to, I I've had this almost like circled in my brain this whole time. And I've been like, should I do it now? And I'm like, no, let's save it for the end. Nobody wants to hear us, you know, crap on people during the main part of the show. But I've been waiting to get to this because it was just so bad, man. Reed Travis (laughs) is just, I am done with this experience. I, I know it's just summer league and the Knicks are literally just using this as an opportunity to get a look at, him, I guess, in particular for the Westchester Knicks, but you and I both separately had the same observation tonight on Twitter, I noticed. When I was tweeting off the Strickland handle you were tweeting on yours, and I noticed we both said he might have played his way off the Westchester Knicks tonight. He was that bad. I mean, and I hate to trash a guy who's trying to make it into a league, you know, like East. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be on the G League team at this point, but he's trying to presumably make it to the Knicks G League team. I, I see zero path for him to the NBA at this point, like zero zero. He just doesn't seem to have any skills that really work. But just a historically bad summer league stat line here: zero points, zero of eight from the floor, zero of one from three, five rebounds. Uh, and a team high negative 17 in 12 minutes. It just, yeah. and he earned every bit of it. I, I've never, like, I will never ever take for granted how fun it's been watching Jericho Sims ever again, uh, considering how painful this Reed Travis starting experiment was. But, like, uh, all right, I'll ask you, Hi. did you see anything that was redeeming in this game for him? Or like are you basically ready to just never see him play again? I listen, I don't like I don't like crapping on players either. I, I don't do it unless there's like good reason to. And he is he's bad. Like nicely put, he's just not a good basketball player at the moment. I'm hoping that like maybe he's just like nervous or something, but from from just like looking at him, I know nothing about Reed Travis as a basketball player. I'm gonna be completely honest. I've never heard of him before summer league. Um, just from what it appears like, he seems to be like this stretch big, I guess. And I don't know, he hasn't like really made any jump shots. I think he made like one a game ago. Um, but he's he's bad defensively. He gets lost a lot. Um, doesn't really contest shots. 
he gets beat on the boards a lot. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see too much talent there. That sounds kind of mean. I feel bad saying that. But, um, yeah, the Reed Travis experience has been an experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just not – it's not been great. And what's funny, I saw someone – I forget who it was. Probably someone that we both interact with somewhat regularly. It was, maybe it was Oscar or, or Prez or someone along those lines. Someone that does the draft more. Uh, or maybe they retweeted someone or something, but I, I saw a comment at some point during the game tonight that was basically like, Reed Travis wasn't this at all at Kentucky. Like he wasn't a stretch big at Kentucky. They're just playing him like one. He was more mm-hmm. of like a back to the basket guy. So like, no wonder he's not doing well with trying to essentially be a pick and roll, pick and pop guy in summer league right now, because like, he didn't do that all at Kentucky. Apparently all he did at Kentucky was just back to the basket, like post scoring. So that's interesting. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there then. Cause yeah, he, like if he, this doesn't look like someone who would be in summer league. Like he, he's definitely like out of his element or something. Like he's not playing his game. So I, I don't know anything about Travis. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and believe that because yeah, it's been, it's been bad. Yeah. Maybe he'll be able to do more post-ups in Europe next year somewhere. Um, <laughs> But I mean, you know, Jokovitis is going over to Europe and that's not a bad thing. So maybe he'll find a league where he can make a living. But I don't know, man. Uh, Wayne Selden, too. <laughs> also, also apparently played in a, a pretty high level European league last year. Um, and I, I don't see with him either. I think the biggest thing with him is like I watch him playing and I'm like, why is he continually starting? Can we not just like start a different lineup? Like, would it be possible to like with Sims in there? You would think you could start quickly, Deuce, Grimes, top in Sims, and that would be a perfectly fun and acceptable and like great starting lineup in this context. And yet, Selden keeps starting and playing like twenty minutes per game. I mean, to be fair, this wasn't actually his worst game. Uh, like he had eleven points, shot four nine. Uh, five rebounds, an assist to steal, blew <laughs> Quentin Grimes's potential best assist of the game. Uh, but I think he made both free throws, so I guess it's all forgiven. Uh, you know, he still got in in two K land. Uh, Grimes still got his teammate grade boost from that for you know uh, pass leading to foul shots. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's another guy. Not to the extremes of. Reed Travis, but I'm pretty much done with the Wayne Selden experience at this point too. I just, I, I'd honestly, I remember his name from when he was coming out of college and stuff. Like, same, he had some height, and I think he started off with the Grizzlies when he came into the league. I and, think so too. Wasn't he in uh, Kansas? Yeah, yeah, I believe he was. He was from Kansas. Uh, I don't, I don't think at the same time as Wiggins, although he could have been around that. Sure. Yeah, around that same time, but. Um, yeah, he came to the league and, you know, it seemed like maybe he was going to do some stuff. Clearly, I mean, now he's he's like 27 years old. I just, I don't, I don't understand. This is not quite as much of a head scratcher as like uh, Michael Beasley, Kenneth Fareed, and Emmanuel <laughs> Moutier all playing for the Portland team. But it's still a head scratcher nonetheless. Like I'm kind of just, I, I'm guessing that he's just going to be like the veteran body in Westchester this year. And this is him just getting ready for that. But I, I guess we can't know for certain, but that kind of seems seems to me like what's going on. But what's been your your take on the Wayne Selden experience too? Another yeah. thing we haven't really touched on too much. Uh, he on hasn't been. 
he hasn't been as bad as Travis, um, but he's been pretty bad. Um, again, I kind of understand him getting some burn. I think he's just mostly starting because he's like one of the few guys I feel like the next summer league team have at that like height, and they just want to put out someone who has that kind of like wing, big height, whatever. Um, Selden is he's not gonna make the roster. <laughs> I hope. Um, definitely can see him getting some burn and just putting up shots in Westchester. Um. I don't have much more to say about Selden. He's just been mostly there. I, I was actually, I don't know if you want to touch really quickly on MJ Walker. He seemed I, I was going to bring him up. <laughs> yeah, he seemed pretty interesting. I'd rather see him start and get some more burn. He was, like, pretty um, engaged defensively. I think he forced a couple turnovers. So, um, don't know much about him. Would like to see a little bit more of him. He seems interesting. And that's more than I can say for about Selden, so. Yeah. Yeah. MJ Walker was like, he was really active. Like he was getting up in, uh, I forget. Again, I, I just, <laughs> everything blurs together with me with summer league. Like, I don't remember who was defending who at any given time or whatever. I just remember like MJ Walker got up in someone's grill for like a whole possession and harassed the shit out of him. And I forget who it was. Uh, it might've been like Killian or, or Cade, or it might've just been someone else on the, it might've been, uh, actually it might've been Saban Lee. I think it maybe was the guy that, it was one that of their guards. MJ, yeah, I think maybe it was Saban Lee that, that MJ Walker got all up in his, up in his face and like really bothered him. And it was just a, it was a really great defensive possession. And then I should have remembered him because I did kind of like briefly look everybody up when they announced the summer league roster, but clearly it just went in one ear out the other with him. <laughs> and so I looked him up again during the game and I was like, Oh, he went to Florida state. This all makes sense now. Like <laughs> uh, Florida state yeah. guys are always just beasts on defense, defense. and he's no different. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he seems like, uh, I don't... do you know much about his offensive game? No, no, not at all. I guess we'll have to see. He made a three pointer in this game. So <laughs> oh. hey. maybe he's got that going for him. <laughs> hey. If you're playing yeah. defense like that and you can hit a three-pointer, there could be a spot for you somewhere. So Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably I, – I think he uh, – all right. So, like, if Reed Travis has played his way off of Westchester, I think that MJ Walker, maybe based off tonight, played himself onto Westchester at this point. Like, I will give, I would definitely put him on the Westchester Knicks and Same. just see what happens. Um, and maybe even – I mean, they have another two-way spot open also. So, yeah. I would maybe even lock him up on that deal. That's such a low commitment, like expenditure to put a guy on a two way. Like if I was the Knicks or at least give him a, I, if I was them, I would give him an exhibit 10 deal heading into training camp and give, give that to a couple guys. And then just kind of hope that one of them stands out enough to give that second two way contract to, and then give that to, to one of the guys at camp. Cause they've been doing think, that um, past few years. So it wouldn't shock me at all if they, you know, rewarded some dudes just for being, you know, on the roster and stuff for training. Camp. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. They always do the exhibit 10 thing. Like the Knicks have been ahead of that for so long. Like they, yeah. that's, just, it's just a great, like PR, like agent favor type deal that they did all the way back with. And I don't think they started that when Phil was still technically in charge. I think they did it when, Mills and Perry took over, but it's been a really good move that they've been doing now ever since then, which is they hand out the maximum amount of exhibit 10 contracts that they can every single year. And maybe it's just me not paying enough attention to other teams, but I don't think other teams do that as much. I think it's, I think the Knicks do it like an extreme amount and that it's really useful because then it allows them to basically like they could pay G league guys, like almost, I, I think by the time all said and done, they get like almost triple 
of what they would have normally gotten for a G League contract. So it takes them from like like forty fifty thousand dollars to like one hundred fifty thousand by the time all said and done because you get like a camp bonus, and then it it allows you to get paid more in the G League if you were on an Exhibit Ten contract already and stuff. Like it's it's pretty fascinating. It's a yeah. this like weird little loophole that the NBA put in that essentially I, I don't know why they don't just work with the G League to make sure players can get paid more to begin with, but whatever. I, I'm not complaining. It's it's pretty cool that that they're able to do it. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Anyway, all right. That was that was a nice little ramble about Exhibit Ten contracts. I think we've said pretty much everything that can be said about this game. Um, did you have any final thoughts on on this game or what we've seen in summer league so far? Uh, anything that we didn't get to while we were just kind of bouncing around here? Um, I hope Sims is back. Sims is very fun to watch. Um, I think I'm higher on Sims than anyone else in the world, <laughs> so I'm always I'm always excited to watch some more um, Sims uh, tape. So I hope he comes back for the next game. Um, especially because that means a little bit less of free Travis. So um, hoping, hoping Sims is back. <laughs> That's all I have yeah. to say. You and me both. I, I love me some Jericho Sims. Uh, all right, Ariel, before I let you go, uh, do you want to let everybody know where to find you online one more time? Uh, anything you might be working on and stuff like that before we get going? Uh, just follow me on Twitter, a Pacheco NBA. Um, anything I am working on or doing, it'll be on my Twitter. Um, I do threads after the day after every game. So I'll just clip things that I found interesting for whatever reason, good or bad. Um, so yeah, just, just follow me on Twitter and you can stay up to date with me. Yeah. Full disclosure. I use those threads quite a bit, uh, as prep for episodes if we record the next morning. So thank you very much for those (laughs) as always, Ariel. Uh, for always putting those up, you and uh, and uh, Jeff Frank Barrett one nineteen who does them on the Strickland account, godsends. Yeah. It's like it's like getting a study guide, a Cliff's Notes to the the game that happened the night before when we do morning after pods. So always very useful. Definitely anybody listening that's not following Ariel already, definitely do that because uh, he's one of the best followers, especially as far as getting a better understanding of what's going on throughout the game and being able to isolate things into little digestible clips uh to take in the next day after a game so ariel thanks so much for coming on man really appreciate it and uh hopefully won't be too long we'll have you back on soon Thanks,